This call is being recorded. Hello. Hello, Wade. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Siggy? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have a phone call with you about uh, Bo is Afraid. Um, we have some eavesdroppers on this phone call, so I'm just going to acknowledge that right off the bat. Um, hello. You mean the wrong head? Uh, yes, hello, wrong heads. Uh, every once in a while here on You Watched It Wrong, we do a more um, informal episode where it's just a, a movie that's not part of any particular theme, but uh, Wade and I both have seen it and uh, both feel the need to talk about it with each other and um, really the genesis of our podcast is Wade and I were having these two-hour phone calls anyway about movies and we thought, well, let's just record them and make a podcast. But here it just really is. It's like those old phone calls and um, it's going to be a little more casual and free-flowing free maybe even than normal. And I will be folding laundry uh, during during this conversation. <laughs> um, so, so I, I so ahead, well, yeah. well, your first uh, the the movie where you want to talk about is Bo is afraid Ari Aster's um, latest, which I was uh, very. I mean, I'm I'm to the point where I'll just see any movie comes out with is a must see for me. Um, I was kind of late to the game. I saw Midsummer in the theater, um, and that was really like the movie where like Florence Pugh like really um, announced herself to me as a star. Um, but then after that, I went back and watched Hereditary, and I'm like, okay, this, there's I can't even put my finger on what what it is about these movies, but um, I haven't seen anything quite like them. And then um, we, we saw the trailer. For Bo was afraid. I forget before what movie, but like it was a movie like my whole family went to, and like oh, this is not marketed like I would expect an Ari Aster movie. Is this even a horror movie? Like what is this? Like yeah, it looked it was an incredibly exciting trailer. I was so pumped. Yeah, the trailer just was like this is awesome. This is what I this is I can't wait to see what he does with a. I, I assumed it was a comedy, but I figured it would still be kind of horrific. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, right? And yeah. so I just asked Seymour, like, just read, you know, can you just read a review or two for me? And all I need to know is, like, is this a departure from his other movies, <laughs> you know? Or is this, um, is this like, going to be in the same wheelhouse? And I absolutely cannot take my, my teenager, my 13-year-old uh, kids to see it and and have them no. uh, no. grow up as normal people. <laughs> that's that's correct. It's a wise wise <laughs> choice. Yeah, and she, uh, uh, I think the first review she read was a Scott Tobias, where he literally says it's a departure, but not a departure. Like he even <laughs> he had my right. keyword. That I was, I asked yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I walked in really um, not knowing what to expect, except for the expectations set by you, because <laughs> you saw it before yeah. I did. Yes. I I mean I sent I mean my I sent Siggy a text. He said I'm on my way to see what I was afraid, and I I after seeing it I did not want to color your I figured you would go see it and I didn't want to color your expectation at all. But when you when you announced that I'm on my way to see what I was afraid, I couldn't help myself. 
And I just said, hey, you want your birthday present early? Gif it. <laughs> um, but no, I really didn't feel that way because uh, uh, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing because I mean, for no me, smiley, no, no emoticon. Yeah, that. there was, was no like, emoji. Oh, was like pretty. Yeah. I'm going to waste three hours of my life right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, I see. I still don't know if I. Usually, with a movie like this, I would say, "Oh, it's not a waste. It just didn't work for me." Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, really. Uh, this will be just me listening to you talk about. I think how much you liked it. Because I don't know what else. <laughs> my my, this is another one of my drive awards. A movie that I'm you know halfway through. I'm going. This movie is made for me. This is awesome. I love every second of this. And then something either perceptibly or imperceptibly changes to where I don't. I by the end of it, I can't recommend it to anybody. So you know, what do you? How do you rate that? I don't know, but. Uh, I'd seen Hereditary and felt the same way. I loved Hereditary wow. until the end. Then I, I really didn't like it. And um, I was on the fence about whether to see Midsommar. And um, I think, unlike you, um, I think this clinches it for me. Um, I don't think I ever want to see an Ari Aster movie ever again. <laughs> well, so here's my questions. And so, well, uh, you know, yeah. I, I loved Bo was Afraid. I absolutely loved it. And I still wouldn't recommend it because I think it's just, a, you know, it's such a, um, it's hard, it's impossible to know ahead of time if it's right. going to like it. I think maybe I don't know, um, but you, but you're. Here's my big question for you: Is so you felt that way, you like you did about Hereditary? What drew you, and you avoided Midsummer? Yeah, I avoided. Like what drew you to Bo was afraid? Like, was this like? Well, because it looked like a departure, but not a departure. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is going to be. Maybe I thought maybe I, I should have known, because, for one, there were so many things about it that really rang bells for me in the trailer, that I couldn't not go see it. You know what I mean? The the casting is great. I mean, putting. I love Amy Ryan. He's putting yeah, Nathan Lane in there. Fantastic. It's such a and it's such smart casting too. It's yeah, it really is. Nathan Lane, Patty Lapone, Parker Posey. It's like what you you. I felt the same way. Well, no, no, no. I remember seeing the RoboCop remake. I was like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. And then they kept announcing who was in it: Michael Keaton, Samuel Jackson, Abby Cornish. I'm like, oh, you're going to make me go see this. <laughs> Gary Oldman. <laughs> Is that um, your Gary Oldman impression from Darkest Hour? No, no, no. That was just me going. That's that's no, that's the last straw. Uh, now I'm in. Um, but uh, and again, the only the only thing really wrong with that movie is that it's called Robocop. <laughs> so anyway, never mind. Um, the <laughs> the thing that I had to get that mini review in. <laughs> right away. Um, the uh, like. I, I was hoping that maybe he could do comedy. Comedy would change. He would approach it a bit differently, maybe. And um, I should have known because horror and comedy are kind of telling a horror story is like telling a joke. There's a setup and a punchline, and uh, it's just one's funny and one may not be funny. And uh, yeah, I that, that to me, both movies like. 
like so people who generally don't like his movies say that he has third act problems. And I don't think he has third act problems. I think he's really good about shielding what his movie's really about. Not really necessarily misleading you. Or maybe, I don't know, just he's really good about hiding what his movie's really about. And then in the end, he reveals it. And it's such a left turn that none of it, none of it fits to me with everything I've seen before. And it just, ugh. And I can't. So when you say so what the movie is about, do you just mean like what the, like what the the character scheme, the the villain scheme is, or do you mean like the themes? Well, I mean, well, I guess, I guess. See, I couldn't tell you because it's so disjointed. I mean, like, I want to say just the plot, maybe the themes are there, and I just didn't get them. But like, like I, I think, I think my biggest, the thing that's so disjointing to me is that. Like in Hereditary, you're, I mean, you're following other characters as well, but you're so with Tony Collette. And then during the climax, the movie just goes, ah, don't worry about her. We just kill her off. So don't, don't. The movie's not about her anyway. It's about this. It's about this pagan god that you've never heard of before. <laughs> and you're like, oh, dude, uh, what? Yeah, he's, and it he's, just dispenses with her. Or Judaic, yeah. whatever. Who knows? It was it, it, it was something that you really had to be a scholar about to even research, and and like it was like it was like listening to a Dennis Miller joke you didn't get the reference to, and and that's the end. Of, that's supposed to be the aha of your movie, and I was like, I well, what about the people? Like Elzebub was the same cared about, the same, you know. I mean, once upon a time, Beelzebub wasn't a household word, right? Right, that's true, yeah. But, like, he's, but it's not a household word, whatever the hell he was. I don't even remember. Um, I, mean, I know I'm coming off ignorant, and I, that's why I was dreading this call a little bit, because I know I'm going to come off as <laughs> ignorant. But, um, uh, but as a, just an experiential thing, you know, all my he gets you to invest so much in the lead character and then you later realize that he, I guess, doesn't give a shit about the lead character. And that's bothersome to me. And so that's the effect. I don't know if that's true, but that's the effect it has. And it's almost, it's it's not only, uh, to me, like uh, a shock to the system. Uh, insulting is not the right word. But it doesn't mean insulting to me. It feels afraid, though. Oh, yes, absolutely I am. How so? That was my experience with both one. Well, like how was well, how was Bo discarded and no longer the main character? In- the last moment, the, well, I mean, like, like the his his death is just I don't it 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 really bothers me. Uh, one, I, mean, I, I actually like the setting of the end. I love Richard Kind in that scene. Um, uh, I think Richard Kind's really effective. I, but the thing is, is that I don't know why he's in a boat. I don't know what the metaphor of the sticking to the boat and the engine going uh, sparking. It all just seems weird. Symbol means to an end, and the way that it topples over and drowns him. I, I just it, none none of that none of this seems to connect to everything we saw before, other than uh, women don't like me. <laughs> And I'm going to die because of it. Wait, how is that the theme of the movie? I don't 
Well, I mean, the, everything well, about the movie. It's, everything it's about him and his movie, mother, but how does that apply to other women in the movie? I don't get it. Well, everything in the movie is people being mad at him for something he didn't do. Everything from the daughter drinking paint to the military guy chasing him to want to kill him to all the rough, to all the crazy people in the street who uh, just see him and want to kill him. And then uh, take over his apartment to the cat, you know, um, everything is like this, uh, like, like, so to, to the point where I'm wondering, is the whole movie just, um, I mean, is this whole thing in his head from start to finish? Is this just his fear of everyone hating him for What's doing nothing? <laughs> but I was afraid, right? Yeah, just I mean, being afraid of everything. Like, 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 I'm wondering, is New York really like that at this in this world, or is that just the way he sees it? It's in New York. What's that? Is he in New York? I don't. I I can't remember what the city he's in. They say what city it is. Yeah, the city he's in. Are there really people in the streets checking their automatic rifles and and attacking each other? And is there really lawlessness, or is that just his paranoia exacerbating everything? But then his apartment gets overrun. So, is that then is that real, or is that not real? So, wait, um, I don't know. Well, here's my other question about, you know, you, you, you hate, um, you don't like David Lynch movies. You don't like. Uh, for the most part, but I love the straight story. My favorite well, movie. Well, sure. That the year. one that's not a David, the one that's yeah, the not. Departure, the departure that's not a departure. It's uh, totally a David Lynch movie. Here's what I'm trying to say. Like, like this, Bo's Afraid is one of these movies that it's like, it's not prose, it's poetry, right? Like, you have to, I think you have to read it that way. Right. And yeah, but I think that's why I went to the movies instead of picking up a poetry book. <laughs> no, I know. The movies, the movies are capable of being, I, I always argue. Yeah, just like a book is, Wade. Don't have to be one thing. You know, there are so many ways you can use cinema. So, yeah, I don't want to come off that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't want to come off as, like, people shouldn't make movies that aren't for me. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, this one just it wasn't for me. But, yeah, this I mean, was sad because I was really into it, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that's sort of, like, the most surprising part is that you were into it when... Like from the very beginning, okay, not the very. Well, no, the opening. So the opening. Yeah, from the very beginning, I was into it. I know, but like, uh, how is it? How are you into it if you don't like this kind of thing? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, because well, well, okay, well, one, I, I uh, to be honest, I've deleted much of this because it consumed my thoughts for so long in a very unpleasant way that I've actually had to block myself from thinking about this movie anymore. Because it was really bothering me. And I was actually actively trying not to, and it wouldn't let me go in a very bad way. And um, I just don't want to think about it anymore. It, um, uh, usually when movies haunt me, I like it. Not this one. All because... Are you it, agreed, to, hereditary, agreed to this phone call. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I will say I don't I I don't remember much uh, now. But like the thing is, I mean, well, it's it, it's like it's like. Um, I mean, I don't see I don't see why that's confusing. That I could like something for a while oh, and realize it's adding up to nothing. You know, or it's it's adding up to something that is not satisfying. I mean, that's not confusing to hard to understand, right? No, that's not hard to understand. No, it's just you're saying that you don't want to think about the movie anymore, and here we are talking about it. <laughs> well, I, I'm not I'm not adverse to. It. I'm just saying, in the, before you went to see it, you know, uh, I was like, I don't, I just don't want to think about this anymore. <laughs> it was bothersome. I mean, like, like, okay, like, like, take, take, um, not to jump right to it, but take Parker Posey's death. I. I, yeah. I really like Parker Posey in this movie. Um, and she's great. As, she's as, such a ringer at that point. When they don't uh, when they don't cut to her right away, I'm going, oh no, I know exactly what's going to happen. She, oh no. And when they cut to her, it's so much worse than uh, even though I knew she was dead. It's so much worse for two reasons. One, it's a it's a still like it's a freeze frame of her. Um. And and she's got the same eyes, the same eye coloring as the girl that drank the paint, right? So suddenly mm-hmm. my mind is making all these connections. Like she didn't just die; she, she her eyes have that same dead color as as which I just before thought, oh, that just happens when you ingest, you know, toxic stuff. But she's got those same eye color, and then he freaks out with no care for her, tosses her off, right? And then it's comical how she tosses off and she's like a mannequin. She's like in a mannequin, like she keeps that position. And it's, then when they carry her out, she's keeping the same position. And I'm like, one of many oh. horrific movies that are played for laughs. Like it is played. Like right. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's horrific. It's played for laughs. Um, uh, I mean, all those things are, are great, but then I'm left going, Okay, so wait. I I love that he thought if he had sex, he was going to die, his whole life. And then, and then that, the joke is is that, oh no, it's not. You're going to die. You're going to kill whoever you have sex with. Well, it's just it's all. I mean, this this whole thing is about how his mother, like, would not, was so controlling of his love, would not allow him to love, love anybody else. And it's the thing that, like, as soon as he starts to have a relationship, she's going to sabotage it somehow. Yeah, because he, she is like, it's just, the, it's just the most grotesque version of that that Harry Astor could think to pretend to, to depict at this moment. You know what I mean? You see, I, but yeah, I that's what it is. I wasn't, I wasn't making those connections at first because, um, uh, you know, we're she's she's uh, presumably dead. And he meets her again at at her funeral, but then she's not dead, so she's still controlling his love and his relationships after her death. He only he only allow. I mean, he, she shows up. About the trial now? No, no, I'm talking about the post coitus. Um, oh right, where because because now now she's control. Yeah, because she's controlling. You know, he doesn't actually have sex with anyone until after she's died. 
right? So she's still controlling from beyond the graves, supposedly, because she's not dead. Um, and then yeah. the end... Or she faked her death. It depends on how you want to... Right. And then the end, ultimately, he's put on trial for him not loving her enough and after is... After he's killed his mom. He's put on trial by his mom after he's choked her to death. Right. Right? Like... Right. Like, we're not in the realm of the literal here. No. Clearly at this point, you know. And the movie gives you, like, several, like, points at which you can tell yourself, like, okay, this is where it's not real anymore. You know, okay, he got killed by getting, by getting stabbed with Christ's wounds, by the way. Um, or when he got hit by the car. Or when he did all the drugs. <laughs> Or you know, it, like it gives you lots of lots of points at which you, which you could say that well, this is where he departed from reality. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I really think the whole thing is just like an expression of his emotional state and really like his fears. I mean, this I the, the parts of this movie I was really um, surprised when I read that like Ari Aster called it a Jewish. Uh, Lord of the Rings, and I've seen other people like say it feels like a Jewish movie to them, which didn't like connect with me at all. But I'm not, I'm not Jewish. Oh, I can, yeah, yeah, I can I can kind of see that a little bit if you're, you know. I didn't, yeah, but you know, but as someone who's like whose mom was like a dominant figure of his childhood, <laughs> and who um, uh, I used to like, be afraid that she could read my mind. I used to be, you know. <laughs> um, she would do things like <clears throat> tell me my IQ score. Like she'd be like, I, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but that test you took, that was your oh, test. And I'm not supposed to tell you what the result is, but here it is. <laughs> also that she could tell me in the next breath that her IQ was higher. <laughs> right? Like, right. <laughs> so like having come from, from that, like I really connected with like, Someone who's afraid that whose mom has made him afraid to have sex. Who's afraid made him afraid to be with another girl. Mm. Be with, you know to love anybody but but her. Not that so that's not the part I don't really you know my mom did not damage me that way. Um, but um, but the part of being like afraid that well everything I tell my therapist he's actually reporting to her or. You know, whatever yeah. I do isn't going to be the right decision by her, even if my kids right. are stolen. And I really can't. <laughs> I really she's can't not gonna, take this trip. Yeah. And then she's not going to tell you what whatever you do is the right hunt. But I know there is if that is so not true. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, uh, that's not my part, mom part either. But just the idea that like she is secretly controlling things. I mean, I've told you this before that my recurring nightmares as a as a kid. The scary part wasn't like the monster or the ghost or anything. It was learning that my mom already knew about it. Oh, wow. that, was, that was always, and that's like a real Harry Astor moment, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I get that. Um, he's like, oh, she's she she has known about this thing all along and wasn't telling me. She's been acting normal, uh, and so like on that, like so I have that. <laughs> that psychic um, 
vein that this movie was really tapping into. And I was already loving it before. I mean, I was just that that first right. act is just so crazy. I, I hate to use such a generic word. You, I literally couldn't believe what I was seeing on the screen and like what I was laughing at. But I was laughing, like, guffawing at this. And that was, like, in a great house, too. Because it was, like, a 3.45 on a Tuesday. Where I'm often, if I go that early on a weekday at my yeah. local theater, I'll be, you know, one of a handful of people. There was a good number of people, but they were all, obviously, Ari Aster fans, and they were all really into it. I complained that the... The, the theaters here are just like too quiet. Like if you go see a comedy or a horror, like you barely know anybody else is in the theater with you. Just like it's it's like yeah. a Presbyterian church or something. But uh, this this was a great crowd. Like everybody was kind of doing doing the same kind of laugh. Like oh holy shit! Like what uh, <laughs> is this happening? You know? Yeah, I was um, laughing. A, I laughed a lot during the movie. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. Yeah, we were in the great vibe. So I was, you know, I was already like really enjoying it on that level but like when by the time we get to um oh what's her name uh who plays uh the young version his young mom zoe lister jones is that her name i i i couldn't tell you uh like that scene where she's got the uh the revolving light like the bedside nightlight thing and her face is like yeah. illuminated in like <laughs> police light colors but in slow motion uh, <laughs> and there's like this crazy monologue about how her father or about how his father like died at the moment of climax <laughs> telling your son that your father died inside me right I know that was just so crazy <laughs> Uh, uh, she was in um, a movie with my old boss's son. Oh, really? Wrote, she, she co-wrote it, yeah. Um, Consumed, which is about, like, uh, genetically modified foods. Mm. Pretty lousy movie. Um, but um, they shot it around uh, Urbana-Champagne, and they just, like, spotted my old boss's son, like, at a fair... <laughs> as he's a kid who gets sick by eating GMO. Hmm. Anyway, um, he's also in a good a good person. Um, good night. Oh, that's the Zach Braff one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a good person, a bad movie. So I don't. What was know. that I, one great review that said a movie by Zach Braff? We know. <laughs> it was yeah. It's, that comes up in the credits, and it was that was very noticeable. <laughs> it, it is very exact. Um, um, sideburn. Um, yeah. I mean, I can I I I I can totally see where where that resonates. The um, I, I read a a brief. I think people were tweeting about Bo's Afraid before I went to see it, and they said something. I saw someone that said something I thought was really stupid, which says, well, I didn't have a bad relationship with my mother, so I don't get this movie. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's stupid. 
you know, <laughs> it's like you know you can't say there's a bad movie because you don't didn't. That, that's, uh, but you well, know, I've never. So I don't stranded on an island by myself and made friends with a volleyball. So bad movie. <laughs> bad movie castaway. Bad movie. <laughs> I say boo. Um, uh, oh, remind, remind me to tell you something. Second, but uh, I, I think my problem. Then I then I walked out of the movie going, huh? Hey. Am I that person? <laughs> but no, I, I I think for me the the it wasn't the um the fact that he, that it's a controlling mother that I can't understand. It's the correlation between what he made me feel and what he showed me, and then what he ultimately showed me in the end. The two. I just I don't know I don't know if it was a thing of expectations that weren't fulfilled, if it's just that simple. If it became a midway through, I started trying to write the movie that I wanted to see. I don't know, but uh, because I was I want to go wherever that movie's going to take me, but not and again not to jump to the to, to more um, uh, milestone parts of the movie, but you know when we see the giant penis and testicles in the attic with a with a face and uh insectoidal whatever those arm like yeah. things were brain um, bug uh brain suckers right as i'm looking at yeah. i'm looking at that going i can't believe what i'm seeing my mouth is open i'm going i can't believe what i'm seeing and yeah and but, i'm still not sure that's good that's a good moment all it all went bad. Like, 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 I couldn't, like, I, I guess I started later thinking if I was trying to tell a story about something that involved, you know, repression and fear of sex and fear of my own sexuality, I might consider having a giant evil phallus, you know, <laughs> and then if someone runs in the room, yeah, I guess they'd shoot it with bullets and try to stab it and, I don't know if I do the insectoidal arms that uh, slice people up. <laughs> um, I'm going, I guess I would go there if it was warranted. But then, so I'm going, okay, because earlier she said feed her to Harry. So Parker Posey got fed to this giant penis. And later. Oh, I thought it was the twin brother she was talking about. Oh, who's, oh, who's, I didn't know who Harry was. So. Um, I. Who's twin brother? You know what they said. I mean, we only. We only find out like very late that this brother he's dreamed about was a real person. I don't think we ever hear. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, because, uh, right. But I I did like I did like that part. What's so weird is like the monster, but I mean his testicles weren't that pushy. (laughs) But I I um I did like. I did like that. I did like seeing the other him up there still in the same clothes and just, yeah. Like just horrific. The the version that learned to stand up to her, the version that was able to have a, a a life of intimacy. Uh, Yeah. But at the same time, because he was able to, he, he's had a horrific life trapped in this attic with no food or or sunlight and just with a giant penis. 
Yeah. <laughs> Monsters. Again, I, like I don't I don't take the literal meaning of it. Like this is the this is the version of himself that wasn't allowed to be. You know, I think that's what just like just like the giant penis is the sexuality that he was didn't experience because he was made to be afraid of. He was made to be afraid of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. And when she said when she says, Do you have any idea what I went through to have you? And you're going, so that giant, you're going, oh, so you are correlating that giant penis to having sex with you. <laughs> <clears throat> so what do you think of that opening sequence? The, um, uh, you didn't see Blonde, but it's the, the second birth, uh, birth canal cam uh, I've seen this year. <laughs> oh, that's right. I completely forgot about that. It's a very Monty it's- Python Kind of well, bit. Well, it, it, I, I loved. I, I actually really liked it how it came out, and then the first thing he gets is spanked, right? You know, the new world he's brought the out. Horrific screams of his mother. It, you know, it's just like it felt right. very universal. Like, okay, a lot of this yeah. movie is specific to this guy and Harry Astor's right. deal, but like this is like, oh yeah, this is how most of us first experienced the world. <laughs> yeah, screams you of know, your mother. Just the like, mom's in pain. Being, and that, like, just set the tone for me. Like, oh, being alive, this is what being alive means, like, in the in the world of this movie. That right. Life is just terrifying. Being in the world is terrifying. And so by the time we get to the city, I'm like, okay, this is just, like, how it can feel to be on a scary city street, you know? Yeah. It can look like a... Uh, like a Mad Magazine two-page spread <laughs> filled with graffiti jokes and funny right. store names and like everything. Like it was so, it felt so Mad Magazine to me. Like every everybody's an over-the-top caricature. And... Yeah. Uh, somebody said it was like a Fox News vision of inner city, but I didn't really see it as a is a is a is a critique of that way of life. I think it was just like you know. I think it was just like over the top caricatures and that you know sometimes cities can give you sensory overload, like because there's just a lot going on. Right. <laughs> but when you know when the whole the whole thing like. Uh, where he needs to go across the street for water and he has to put the phone book in the door, right? And he's hoping nobody will right. notice. This little shots back when he he's looking for the money to pay for the bottle of water and like this the direction is so amazing in this. It's just like that long like telescope lens shot of like somebody noticing and then like everybody in the street like funneling in like zombies. Right, or like there's this magnetic pole. I mean, it's really hard to like if, at at that point. It's just so clearly de- nothing resembling any kind of reality, like just the way it's depicted. Yeah, but there's two ways you can take that. You can it's, take that as being as, funny and horrible. You know, horrifying. Well, no. Well, I mean, I mean, here here's where some like you can look at it. You can look at it going, this is. You're, when you put the book in the door, 
because your keys be gone. You're scared because you think someone might get in, right? So your fear, your fear then becomes the paranoia fear augmented to everyone immediately notices and charges, right? Correct. Which is, yeah. But then the worst, there's the, the there's the worst details will be realized. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so you could you could just look at it as like, oh, the 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 most. Um, when you're paranoid, the, the the joke is is that when you're paranoid, the 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 most far-fetched thing suddenly becomes in totem, right? The other way you can look at the joke is um, that uh, everybody in the world wants their own and is undeserving, and they're going to take yours no matter what. Ha ha! Isn't that funny? See what I mean? It could be a really elitist joke. Uh, and it, it, it bothers me. And so then, you know, you're, you're, and I see uh, there's a lot of things in the movie. I'm trying to remember any, I remember being in her home and thinking, Oh, is this really uncomfortably elitist and like classist and, and getting really uncomfortable? Um, but I can't remember to give you an example. Bo, Bo wanting to keep people out of his apartment is out of that apartment is elitist. You gotta, you gotta walk no, through that. One. Well, no, no, I'm just I'm saying like, like everyone outside is is an unwashed, violent, poor that's going to come and take everything from you if you give them a chance, and that's validating that um, mindset. Or you can look at it from the way the movie is probably presenting it. It's all paranoia, you know. It's it's, but because the movie makes you know. It, uh, I don't know if it's really like if it's even paranoia. Like paranoia would be like the guy when he runs across the street for the water, the guy who's just like help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And then you yeah. come to the shot and he's like through the window he's just staring at him. You can just read his lips. He's just saying help me, help me, help me, help me. You know? Yeah. Like that's just that's not like when a guy on the street asks me for change or for a dollar for a bite to eat. It's not that he is trying to take my money from me. It's that he wants something from me that I don't, I don't feel I can give, or like it's I don't, yeah, you know I can't even help myself, and and these people are asking me for, you know, right, exactly. It's that it's just that feeling. It's that you right. Know, uh, that 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 that's what that's that's what I think. But the, but the you know there's there's the feeling. It's not even it's saying like people shouldn't ask me for help. It's just that I can't handle it when people do. Right. You know. Right, right, and there's that part where it's like the 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 thing between I want to but I can't, and the discomfort of un, being unable to when there is so much need around you, and then the idea that that is a burden more so than a a context. You know what I mean? And uh, so like, I think it's like the thing that you talk about, like the um, you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. Right. You know. Like this is a story about a guy who cannot get his own oxygen mask on. Yeah. You know, doesn't even know where it is. You know. But I think I think the thing I'm trying to discern about the movie is the movie saying that he is right about all his fears, or are we seeing the world augmented through his fears? You know. And I think that's, you know, it, it's like, 
Ari Aster does the thing where he's giving you his movies are giving you feelings. <laughs> they're giving you, you know, they're like they're they're plucking these like real kind of deep like mm-hmm. strings of emotion and dread and uh and these really kind of mysterious images, like it's really hard to like parse what his movies are about while you're watching them. This is how I felt about Midsummer. It's like why Midsummer was so unsettling to me. And then at the end of all three movies, like the bad guy makes a big speech <laughs> and just like explains a bunch of stuff in a, like a really prosaic way, although Patty Lagundo is in a very melodramatic way. But, mm. um, and it's always like the least, it's, it has a very deflating feeling and it's both, that's, it's unset that is unsettling in itself just because like yeah. it's it's being explained so straightforwardly to you and it doesn't make anything that came before scarier. Right. It's not I'm still like don't know how necessary it is, but it it feels like it's the way I've come to view those moments in his movies. It, it's like this escape hatch for your sanity. Like if you need, <laughs> if you're just like completely lost in this movie and you need a, a mooring point, like here it is for you if you choose to take it. Like it's, it's like, weird. Here's those, a little life those, preserver. <laughs> those are the times that I actually go crazy. Like I'm all with it all up until those points usually. And then I'm like, that's when I go berserk. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> but I, but I, I, I view those as like the least important moments of the movie. Like I, I, I really almost like view the movie as over before that point. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, given what you told me about, I mean, well, now, given what how you contextualized, um, you know, pos- you know, maybe, maybe that Ari. Is dealing with a lot of Ariaster's dealing with a lot of overbearing mother themes might be coming from someplace in his life. That certainly would explain why he is so disrespectful to Tony Collette's character in Hereditary. But I don't understand why they didn't make Alex Wolf the lead and not make Tony Collette the lead. You know, she, is, she is the lead. She is the lead of the movie. The, yeah. The, the, you know, we we stick around. The movie could have ended with her jumping out the window, and it would be like The Exorcist, you know. But yeah. we stick around to find out like what it was that was driving her to that point. Yeah. After that, yeah, you know, and it was um, wholly unsatisfying. <laughs> that's a, that's that's fine to feel that way. That's for, of course that's legit, yeah. You know, um, I still find it really creepy and. Uh, and, and, and good. I mean, you know, um, but I think, I think in Bo is Afraid, like, there's several points where he's like really explicitly calling back his first two movies. You know, when those attic stairs come down, when, his, when Patty LePone pulls down those attic stairs, I'm like, 
Those are the hereditary attic stairs. Like, oh God, yeah. what's going on? You know. I'm glad I didn't and think about that. When he wakes up in, um, uh, oh, what's the one from uh, Midsummer? That's really obvious. Oh, I'm blanking on it now. But there's one that's like, this is how this is how you're supposed to read Midsummer. This is how you're supposed to read Hereditary. Like, this is what I was talking about then. For those who didn't get it. <laughs> You know, I really felt like I understood the themes of those first two movies better, having watched uh, Bo is Afraid. I'm like, oh, he's he's like saying this is what I was trying to work out in the, in those movies. Like it wasn't about hereditary is not about Satanism. It's not about cults. It's not about witchcraft. It's 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 not about Ouija boards. You know, it's right. It's yeah. about it, you know in, in, in Midsummer. It's also like it's really easy to miss it, but like the reason the opening sequence and the rest of the movie are in the same movie because this movie is really about family and right. feeling abandoned, you know. And um, uh, when um, when he wakes up in uh, the girl's bedroom and the yeah. sunlight is like twinkling in his eye. I'm like, oh, that's like the light Alex Wolf sees in, in Hereditary, you know. By the way, okay, this movie's full of little little jokes, like little Mad Magazine style jokes, like <laughs> the Erectus Ejectus <laughs> porn shop where it has a whole list of names of the acts, and the only one I kept wanting to, to, to catch what they were, the only one I saw was Knife Stick. Uh, <laughs> Which is a lot like was what? Uh, knife Dick was one oh. of the names on the Erectus Ejectus. Um, he's also got the um, <laughs> the lobby graffiti. My favorite being the the guy with the huge uh, penis ejaculating in the air and he's catching in his mouth and saying, "Don't mind if I do." <laughs> uh, but the very best was in that girl's bedroom where you keep seeing boy band posters on her wall. Were you catching this? I feel like there was something I don't remember now. <laughs> the, the first one you see is it's just one, J-U-S-T numeral one, and it's, the, you know, a, like a dream boy picture. Right. The album name is Imaginary Friend. <laughs> but then you keep seeing, like, all the boy bands, they all have – Names that refer to the number of members. And yeah. so there's one where there's three, there's one where there's five. Until finally you see a poster that the band's name is KI55, and there's 55 members of the band. <laughs> I didn't see that. It's amazing. And the uh, album title is like 55 Ways to Love You. <laughs> 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 like every time he kept giving us a new, I was like just hunting it for it. Now, okay, where's the, where's, what's the next one? It's just like when it pays off with Ki Five Five. There's just, there's just so much stuff in this movie. <laughs> like the play within a play. Like whenever you, yeah. whenever you do a play within a play play within a movie type thing, like, I'm always like, okay, this is someone, it's like Hamlet, like, okay, this is about, it's not just about the 
power of storytelling, but it's like how I'm using storytelling. You know? Yeah. Like why I tell stories. Um, and I really, that's, I think this is like the hardest section for me to like, I don't want to say puzzle out, but to like understand what everything is here for or like how this fits exactly. But I think the, I think this is like him saying like, I, you know, I, I'm, I don't know what exactly what he's saying, but it's, it's, it's something about how your identity blends into the story that you're watching and, and making. And maybe this is, yeah. Movies really about me, but maybe it's not really about me. Or I don't, I don't know what's going on. But I did love how, um, how <laughs> it feels like a Wes Anderson thing, but like creepy. <laughs> it's, it's like there's something. Yeah, no, still, absolutely. Like there's still something frightening about the way that these stage sets are like moving and like the timing of it. That it cannot, it's like so eerie. But like, yeah, another director doing the exact same scene, not changing any details in the frame, like everything looking the same, like it would not be scary. And somehow this time, like it was, like I was just waiting for something terrible to happen, which didn't really, but like, yeah, I felt tense watching it. He certainly has a command of the screen when he, like, the, the, the tension that is that he imbues to the images are, I think, unparalleled. That's true. And I'm trying to find out though where, why I cannot, because I'm making a connection in both of the movies I've seen. I'm making a connection, and where, what, what happens? Like why? I guess I don't want to turn this into self-analysis, but. Like, like, why isn't this something I'm? Why is it something I can no longer accept nor tolerate? You know, like I was thinking earlier today, how much I like uh, the movie Colossal that we we had on an episode about. Yeah. And how how it's a movie full of poetics. And yeah. I was thinking how, but it's 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 a complete. You can remove the poetics from the sto- from the movie, and it's got story beats. Boom, 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 right? Um, and you can remove the kaiju. You can remove the 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 the, the temporal port, uh, you know, uh, puppeteering portal or whatever. You know, you can all do, you can remove all the quote unquote weird things from it. Um, and the story, what it's about, is still very there and very palpable, palpable and very alive. Um, yeah. I was comparing it in my mind today when I was doing dishes. I was comparing Colossal to, I think, what might very well be my favorite song, um, Papa Was a Rodeo. Um, it's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. And I myself... Magnetic like, Fields. Magnetic Fields, yeah. I myself... I actually listened to both versions today, the Magnetic Fields and Kelly Hogan. Um, yeah. It's, it's a hard song for me to get through without crying horribly like i've always wanted to sing it it's too low for me but i always try to sing it and i always end up blubbering during it now i am not one to 
you know, the, 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 the imagery and the, the things that uh, they, they put out in that song, you know, um, never stuck around long enough for a one night stand. Uh, uh, love was a place with diesel. Uh, home was a place with diesel gas. Love was a trucker's hand. You know, all these transient, um, earthy kind of running away things were not things that are part of my vibe or my experience. But the core of that song very much is, which is, hey, I'm inherently this person and it hurts people and they don't like it. And I'm just warning you up front that you're probably not going to like me if we get involved, <laughs> something to that a thing. And then the beauty of that, you know, the first verse, he sets that up. The second verse, he has a realization uh, and changes the narrator and being like, what, uh, I can't, why would you keep living life the way I've been living it? Um, why don't we, why don't we try? And then the last verse is, now it's 55 years later, we've had a wonderful life, and I can still remember that the words that you said to me, and as they do the chorus, the, 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 the chorus again, only in a different gender's voice. And the, the beautiful, it always sends me into tears, because it's that I found someone simpatico when I was afraid, and I, if I hadn't brought it up, I hadn't spoken this, communicated this, you know, we never would have known that we are actually, we're actually soulmates. And that, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, heard. I just, I just want to point out in the Magnetic Fields version, it's the same gender. It's the same gender. Oh, sorry about that. Well, they, they bring it up, they're two different people, you know, basically. Different singers, different singers, what I meant. Um, and so, like, like that you know so i'm going okay so i i can be on board like i i just realize i like but also the, the song uses a lot of words that i don't like in my songs beer <laughs> whenever i hear the word beer in a song it always rubs me the wrong way <laughs> you know uh just these things in it that that i usually don't like in songs but what you want um, polka barrel polka or <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But like, um, but then, um, but I, I realized that obviously I like, and uh, well, with with colossal and because I remember in this song they're both strange songs. People would listen to it, go, oh, that's weird, but they have such an intense core. One second. They have such an intense core that I relate to. So, you would think that Bo is afraid would be kind of in line with this, but I, I think, I think it's all like, he's got a mastery about presentation of tone, but I don't think his thematic beats. I don't know. There's something I'm not hooking into. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what that is or why, but I think I'm done exploring. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it just might be a wavelength thing, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like that, I feel that way about Kelly Reichardt, like, I just cannot vibe on her movies, and I, I, 
really thinking of seeing uh, showing up just because it looks well, no, I, I'm trying to talk myself into seeing showing up, but I, even the trailer, like, when I read about it, I'm like, oh, this might be more for me, but then I watch the trailer, I'm like, no, I just, like, the the vibe is off. I, I, I do not sync with with what she's doing somehow. I, I, I agree. I want, I want it's to. not thematically. I, I like, I, yeah, like, on paper, I should love these movies, and I just don't. Like, know? I love what Meek's, Meek's Cut-Off is about, and I fucking yeah. hated that movie. I could not get into it. I could yeah. not appre- I could not even even like I write write out the whole story on paper. The ending's great, and I can't get behind it. Uh, First Cow that works for me, but oh, just barely. <laughs> yeah. And showing up works for me, but I think I invented my whole my whole own thing about what the movie's talking about. Uh, rather than what it's actually talking about, and I think I like that more. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. You're right. Kelly Reichardt is a is a I think a a very very talented, very um, uh, the excellent director. And I just can't a storyteller. I just I just not on her wavelength. Yeah. 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 There's nothing like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with this. It's just that I cannot get into it. I feel I feel you're the same way about um, like I showed you one of my favorite things on the planet, which is uh, Super Ego, my man crush, uh, my comedy crush yeah. Matt Gorley and Jeremy Carter, and I'm like this is the most amazing thing, and I sent you some. You said this is well produced. I never want to hear any more again. <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great comedy example. <laughs> yeah, I, I like all the people involved. I I, I even like um, some of the material. I just can't like the rhythm of it like i there's something about it like i just cannot carrie has yeah carrie has this weird thing where she's we go see when we first started dating we went to see a lot of animated movies and there's a lot of animated shows i want to see and she goes i can't i can't do that i can't watch animation something about the voiceovers the way they're done it just creeps me out i can't do it and i go but we went to see all those animated movies and like well they're recorded differently somehow Hmm. i'm like huh so she'll watch a half hour cartoon she'll watch a full full animated cartoon but she can't watch the simpsons she can't watch bob's burgers she can't watch she's usually she's usually like adult animation stuff is usually pretty frenetic and she doesn't like that but even the non-frenetic ones, she's just like, nope, can't handle it. The voices creep me out. And it's just, uh, we all have our things. We all got our things. Well, you've got your, your thing. I mean, so for me, Bo is Afraid is like very much, like it It excites me in exactly the same way that uh, I'm thinking of ending things or... Um, the Green Knight so. in a different way, but similarly, and um, mm-hmm. and Under the Silver Lake. Like, those are the movies, yeah. the recent movies, and Mulholland Drive, um, I think the most of any David Lynch film. All those movies I either liked or appreciated except for Mulholland Drive, right? Yeah, but all those movies I like, you know. I think if if you had an ascending, descending scale, it would be Under the Silver Lake, Green Knight, I'm thinking of anything, and then Mulholland Drive. <laughs> 
Because I think of anything that I loved until the end, that fucking pig, animated pig. That's how you describe I was afraid, is that you loved it, and then (laughs) the the ending made you mad enough to (laughs) tell me not to enjoy the first. If I felt exactly the same way, you didn't think I should enjoy the first two and a half hours of the three-hour movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that whole thing. I'm like, well, yeah, well, what? What did uh, I? Have I sent you this? David Mitchell does an amazing soapbox on. Uh, David Mitchell has a did thing for the I think the Guardian newspaper for a while where he did these little videos of uh, uh, of uh, David's soapbox and and one of these he did one was on living in the moment, and he was t- at one point I think it was the living in the moment one he was talking about um, how the outcome of something can retroactively affect your your memory of the experience. Mm-hmm. And he was, and he he cited Mulholland Drive as as an example. He says, he goes, I'm having a wonderful time watching this movie, and then it we can't wait to see how it all culminates, and then it doesn't. It just sort of stops, and then I'm angry, and now I think on the movie, and I think I did not have a good time, but I was having a good time until the end, and then all of a sudden that changed my opinion of my experience leading up to that. Now this is no more uh, than in sports. I'm having, you know, I'm watching a game where we're winning and I'm having a great time. And then when we lose, suddenly I'm angry and sad. And this was a total waste of an afternoon. But <laughs> if, we were ha- if, if we were losing the whole game and I'm miserable and then we turn around last second and win, I had a great time. <laughs> it was a lovely day. Yet I spent most of that day being angry and sad. <laughs> I think you've recited that on this uh, on this podcast. I think I, have I? Have I? Yeah. Well, that's a good, it's a good one. I mean, it makes a good point. Where where? And I think yeah, maybe maybe Bo's afraid really has that thing for me because I was enjoying it, and then somewhere along the line, I was just like, I don't. <laughs> I gotta maybe ask you something. Yes. So I, maybe you had what? I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I got it. So my hearing aids um, got adjusted recently. Oh, okay. So I'm picking up a lot more detail, and I think oh. I was I was understanding uh, almost everything that was said, even which is something with uh, Joaquin Phoenix doing his mutters and putters. Oh, okay. Routine. Um, but the one thing I missed was. Um, during during uh the sex act um with Parker Posey she's uh she says something about how about how hard he is and he's like really and then she makes like a joke i don't know people laughed in the theater but i didn't catch what she said i can't it felt like i don't remember like a- Something to the effect of like you knocked the condom off or some I don't know. Um, no, I think uh, I don't remember, but I, I I if I were to guess, I, I think it was something along the lines of I feel like there was something along the lines of well, not really, but you know, it's nice to say kind of thing. <laughs> it's a nice thing to tell you. Oh, okay, all right. I don't I don't remember. I could be I'm probably entirely wrong, but like. I remember there was something like that. Like, it's, it's just something I say. 
<laughs> Something like that, you know. I think my favorite line of the whole movie might just be like they have their weird, awkward moment outside the house, and then like he takes a chance and and tries to kiss her, and then she kisses him back, and it's this passionate, like dream-like moment. And then when she starts walking in the house, and she says, "Bedroom, where is it?" <laughs> Because now that's the fear, isn't it? What? what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've always thought, uh, if I can speak thirstily for a minute, I've always, you know, thought Parker Posey was cute, but I was never, like, attracted to her. But um, I'm just it always just makes me, like, really happy. <laughs> and And, like... A, a, a world-loving way, like just when they see women who like suddenly hit peak attractiveness as they get older, you know. Yeah. And maybe that's just yeah. me being in my late forties, but like a woman who's suddenly the sexiest she's ever been, like at that age, like for me, it's like the sexiest thing in the world. Yeah. No, absolutely. She's she looked amazing and ca- handled, carried herself amazingly. So. Oof. No argument and, there. And she's hilarious. I mean, it's... And she's hilarious, yeah. Really funny, really funny part. <laughs> when he comes out of the bathroom, like, oh, you didn't get undressed? I'm sorry. He turns around and runs back. Right, 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 right. Like, just like a running waddle back into the bathroom. There's, just so like, there's no concern that he's covered in blood and mud. <laughs> yeah. And oh, the Parker Posey is just like perfect casting for that role. But oh yeah, Nathan Lane. I mean, Amy Ryan is, is always great, and like she's got that warm, that warm thing going. But like Nathan Lane, yeah, it's like it's such a, a curveball to like the the thing that will make this character not seem right is the fact that he's played by like, by Nathan Lane. Like everything right. else, exactly. like everything else is going to be presented. I mean, and, and he puts a, a monitoring ankle collar and calls it a health monitor. Other than that, but, right? <laughs> the thing that will immediately tell you something is not right here is the fact that Nathan Lane is playing a you know button-down suburban atomic family. Yeah. Right. Knows best. Right. Exactly, and he's you so know? good at it too. He's really good. Yeah. And it's like it's better just because you know when's the last time you've seen Nathan Lane in something like just the fact that like remember this guy <laughs> I don't know it was I didn't know he was in the movie ahead of time I oh yeah oh he I was one a of point the, in the trailer where I, I I reach a point in the trailer like I'm sold and then I shut off my eyes and ears like literally like I don't <laughs> once, once well, maybe sure because they have the giant penis in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should have. <laughs> uh, so when he appeared, I was so, like, what, if, wow. what, if, what if the trailer ended with white power? And you're like, oh, I should have seen that. Should have watched the whole thing. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, I think, I'm sorry I, think I didn't agree. like it. I well, I'm sorry. Great. I had. I'm sorry. I have to tell you. I don't like yucking your yum. 
I'm well, not going to try to convince you, you not to like something. Good, because I'm not, I'm not here to convince you of anything. Um, I think I read, um, um, not to, to to belabor it, but I, I when I read Scott, uh, I think it was Scott Spice's review, I think he said the cruelest segment is the play within a play segment, the more fantastical segment, because it shows a life he could have been living. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was, like, that was one of the sequences I was most looking forward to, to see all the amazing, like, things the trailer behold. Like, like it really made it seem like that was going to be a big part of the movie, was this kind of more fantastical element. And it was yeah. really there just to basically, <laughs> basically piss on the character's hopes and dreams. <laughs> this is, like, such a cruel thing to do to him. Oh, anyway. Mm-hmm. That's my story. Yeah. He's, he's, maybe that's just what he wants is to. Maybe Ari Aster is like, maybe I won't feel so alone in the world if somebody watching my movie stands up in the theater and says, that's me. This is my story. Yeah, yeah. You know? Exactly. Maybe that's all he's trying to do. Yeah, well, that's what any artist really wants is to make a connection and see that we're not only, it's either convey themselves to people who do, who aren't them and then to find those people who are them, you know? Because then you're not alone either way. I got one last question. Uh-huh. So at the end, he's at the house, you know, the confrontation with his mom. He chokes her. She falls through the glass. He leaves. The therapist, by the way, has just disappeared. <laughs> he's... His, right, right. <laughs> the... He doesn't have a fear about what happens, what his therapist does after he kills his mom. <laughs> so he he doesn't factor into the scene anymore. <laughs> um, he goes and gets in a boat, and like you say, like the engine's gonna start puttering out because, and maybe maybe that's just Ariaster's afraid of boats. Like you know, maybe that's all. Right. I don't, I don't know. So she's like, well, something's gotta happen. I want to get him to this place. Just have him get in the boat. Why? He, well, he gets in a boat. He goes through a tunnel, which I read immediately as he's re-entering the womb. Oh, okay. But then, he, but then he comes out the other side of the tunnel. I guess he's inside. But it looks well, like he's make... gone through a mountain. And so I'm like, okay, if that was entering the womb, through, if that was the birth canal again, like we saw at the beginning of the movie. Did he just right. out the butthole? Well, that's well, that that I, would make sense because if he if he's in a boat, that means he could be sperm, right? And it's a white boat, isn't it? I think so. Could be sperm. It's a gray boat or something. I don't know. It flips over and dies. <laughs> Who cares? You can't win no matter what you do. <laughs> well, I, I want to. I want. I, I I'd like to have something feel worthwhile there at the end but it just it doesn't to me i don't i don't get that feeling so yeah i think it's just i mean that's that's the 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 thing i put in my letterbox review was the best thing i can summarize this movie as is there's a man who um is afraid we see the inside of a very afraid man the whole time and in the end, he decides that a fate worse than what he fears is what he deserves. 
Oh, you think he feels he deserves it at the end? Well, he well, there, there's. I'm haunted by. He's crying for his mom. He's saying who's who's, who's after he's choked her out is in sitting there next to uh, her lawyer. Yeah. Oh, who wait. is what? Uh, uh, the guy, the lawyer defending him. That's that's the callback to Midsummer when that guy's struggling down and his face smashes on the rock. That it's it's that's the big smashes on the rock. What was that? What what was that? So in the in the remember. trial at the end in the dome, right? Richard Kind is you know making his accusations, and then across the dome there's like the you know. Uh, afterlife public defender, like oh right, 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 yeah. shouting his weak pleas of defense, and then eventually, like a thug comes and throws him down, and his face smashes on a rock. Right, and, right. Like that's yeah, that's call back to scene. The that's the big scene from Midsummer, which you're never going to see. So I'll just tell you. Like, yeah, okay, right. Because that yeah, I thought I, I like that. I, I thought that was I thought that was a, a, a nice touch. Now that I know it's the a callback, callback, I, know, I, I like it. Now that I know it's a callback, I like it less. <laughs> um, but there's yeah. So you, you know, and then there's what he's screaming. The, the the thing keeps sputtering and and catching fire, and then he just gives up. And there's this shot of him slumped, staring, I guess, at his mom, and just letting whatever's going to happen happen. You know, and uh, and then the boat tips over, and you know, we we as an audience sit there and wait and say, okay, is that it? Is that how he's going to drop? We're waiting this long. We're either going to be he's either going to pop up as a joke, or we're going to get the directed by Ari Aster. We got the directed by Ari Aster. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a, uh, what you could call a pregnant pause. Yeah, you but know. we everyone we knew what was coming, and I was like, oh, don't. Do something else. Don't just put the title up now because you're going to put the title up. You put the title up. Okay. And then, um, you know, watching everyone. I stayed through the whole credits waiting for something, uh, just in case. But watching everyone file out was kind of neat. But the, uh, yeah, I was haunted by that last split second moment of him just going, uh, uh, you know. So it's like, you know, part of being afraid of everything is being certain of the eventual, um, it, uh, eventually, um, the eventual succumbing to whatever you're afraid of, you know. And if you're afraid that long and you're trying to make sense of it, you think, well, I could, clearly I deserve this then, because it's inevitable, and uh, and uh, I'm afraid that not only of what my of my mother and what she's done and what she's doing to me, I'm also afraid that I have brought this on myself by not loving her enough or not fulfilling my roles or blah, 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 you know. Or, or just that there's no escaping this. Yeah, there's no escaping this. I mean, that's how I read it. And maybe that's like the Jewish thing about it. It's like, eh, what you going to do? I do have a, I do have a problem uh, me, me personally, I do uh, have a problem when, because I, that I look to stories to have answers rather than questions, you know. And uh, that's a problem in my writing, where I think, well, I can't write this until I have answered these questions. When actually, the answer, 
the act of writing is the asking of these exploring those questions. And so um, that's a, that's a problem, but I really, you know, I turned down doing a movie, uh, directing a movie uh, because I go, your, your script is the, 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 the script that uh, you really want me to do this and that I'm flattered, but your script is about how suicide is the only thing that will bring this person peace. Right. And he said, yes. And I go, then I can't tell your story because I don't believe that. And, um, I don't want your story to be, to not work because you have someone who's directing it at the helm who doesn't believe what the story's saying. I think, you know, I do too. And I caught a lot of shit from it from my partner (laughs) at the time, but, uh, it, it was like, I will only hurt your story. And, um, you know, I could have argued to say, I don't think your story should be out there. It was a well-told story. It was a well-written story, but uh, um, I didn't say the that. You, said, right. The only way you could make that a successful movie is if you were actively working against the script, you know, in like a... Yes, dive, exactly. You know. Exactly. And so, like, I was like, I was like, I don't want to... I, I can't do that. So, um, and I brought that up why. Oh, my own, my own uh, uh, predilections. Um, so yeah, so you know, I I would like very much one day to 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 not have experiences like this with these more um, narratively, um, I guess, movies where the narrative is less important. You know. Yeah. I'd like to have a better relationship with those types of movies, but to me, when you abandon the narrative, you abandon the character. And like, I'm much rather, I'd much rather, like, like you may seem that that's at odds with my feeling about Jeff Nichols movies where I'm like, once you get the character to where you want to go, that's all that matters in my opinion. And, and I'm like, yeah, because that's the story. That's the story to me is where is this character going? Um, and when you have no, I know why I brought the thing up because when you when you have movies where the the thing is you have no escape, it's futile, everything's futile and horrible. You know, I I kind of don't don't dig on your your vibe <laughs> <laughs> because I already got that in my own head. I don't need it coming at me. I'm already telling myself that every second of the day. It's like, yeah, I know. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> like it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, Making this well, your official last Ari Aster. Yeah, it is. Uh, although, mark my words, if I see another trailer that excited me like Bo's Afraid did, maybe I might come back around and try it again. I'm that fickle a beast. But uh, I personally am glad that you found something that, that lit you up so much because that is a very exciting feeling when it comes around. It doesn't come around as often as it should. Yeah, I had a blast. I, I 
I gave that as a birthday present to myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't dissuade you. Well, this is a phone call, not an episode, so uh, yep. why don't we just say goodbye and hang up, I guess. No pun tonight, people, because you were privy, you 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 were eavesdropping, you snoops. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we'll okay. be back with a wacky race pretty soon. Yeah, um, the one we said we would do three episodes ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, scavenging, <laughs> which I watched, I think, three months ago. <laughs> yeah, that might need a rewatch. <laughs> the boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to go walk the dog. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, Ziggy. Thank you. Have a good night, Wade. Bye. Bye.